As darkness may press against the flock and the silence of the world deflects hope, cries the voice of a loving shepherd. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the Divine Lantern. Under the blessing of His Eminence Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower and enrich. I'm your host Jonathan from Saints Peter and Paul Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales and welcome to this week's episode. This week we are joined by the Most Reverend Archmandrite Father Nabil who will be providing a message of hope from this Sunday's reading which comes from the Gospel of Mark. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today's sermon comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. This specific Gospel is read the Sunday before Theophany. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who shall prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem, And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and had a leather girdle around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Beloved in Christ, what we just heard, it was the first passage of the Gospel of Mark, who, like St. John, the evangelist, began his Gospel talking about St. John, the Baptist. He began by stating the prophecy of Isaiah 40, verses 3. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who shall prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. That's also mentioned in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. It is evident that St. John the Baptist is on a distinct and specific mission proclaiming Christ the Son of God. According to John 1.29, when he saw Jesus, he said, This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At the time, the people needed to be ready in order to prepare the way for such a divine manifestation. Christ came to save the world from the fall and to restore its image bringing it back to its pristine beauty. First of all, I would like to stress on the last verse of this passage, 
the difference between water and the Holy Spirit. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's what St. John said. Very important to note that the baptism of John was just the washing of the body, asking people to repent and confess their sins. And Matthew 3, 2, John called the people to repentance, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This repentance is not a remorseful act for some committed sins. This repentance needs to bring about a complete change of mind and a full conversion to God. We can say that the baptism of John was eschatological. It foretells the comings of the Lord. There are many prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the coming of Christ and the act of salvation. However, their meaningful knowledge did not surface until the incarnation of the Lord. Now, the ascetical life of St. John the Baptist, his foods and clothing, his courage and zeal to witness to the truth, are parallel to the ascetical life of the prophet Elijah, who had the same characteristics. In Malachi 3.22, we read, Behold, I will send you Elijah before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Indeed, St. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah to witness to the truth. This truth came to liberate us from the bondage of the enemy. During the mystery of Christ, we can fully observe that all the prophecies of the Old Testament were fulfilled in him. Christ himself said, according to Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. It is true to say that the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament and the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. In Judaism, to confess one's sin is not to enumerate them or categorize them. It is to admit with humility that one is a sinner and in need of God's mercy, exactly like what the publican did in the temple. According to Luke 18, 13, he said, beating his breast, he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It is important to note that it is the heart that harbors the sins, not the body itself. It is from the depth of one, it is from the depths of the heart that one must see God's mercy, hoping to be filled once again with the Spirit of God, making it pure and undefiled. In Psalm 50, verse 10, David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
The baptism of Jesus is an act of regeneration. It is the renewal of creation and the adoptions as sons, according to Romans 8.15. St. Paul says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This adoption makes the baptized believers brothers and sisters in Christ. According to Galatians 3.27, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Alleluia. This very verse is chanted at every baptism service. The baptism of Jesus prefigures his death and resurrection. To be baptized is to be immersed in the water. For us, this immersion is symbolical, but significantly meaningful. During our baptism, we go down under the water and we rise from the water. We die with Christ and we rise with him. We get sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Myrrh, in order to live and work in the vineyard of the Lord, living the new life fully in Christ. As St. Paul states in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So at our baptism, we become anointed, empowered, and renewed after the image of him who created us. We are given the gift of the Holy Spirit to aid us in the battle that is ahead of us to keep our garment undefiled. In so doing, we can achieve the goal and share in the victory of Christ. In conclusion, we can deduce that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, came to earth to abolish to destroy sin, abolish death, and grant mankind an opportunity to obtain eternal and joyful life in the kingdom of heaven. Spiritual rebirth begins with us having faith in Jesus Christ, a, a true desire to be liberated from the tyranny of sin, and a drive to lead a life in accordance with God's will. In Psalm 143, verse 10, David said, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of righteousness. It was the first time in the history of humanity that the triune God appeared on earth during the baptism of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus in the water, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove attesting to the truth and the voice of the Father, bearing witness to him, saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am pleased. Matthew 3.17 The second appearance of the Holy Trinity was on Mount Tabor at the Transfiguration, during which the same attestation was heard, but concluded 
are these most important two words. Listen to him. Mark 1.11 To listen to Jesus is to do the will of God. At the cross, Jesus taught us that we must do the will of God. According to Luke 22.42, we read, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And the Lord's prayer taught by Jesus himself, we say, let your will be done. Beloved in Christ, let us have a burning desire to do the will of God and let him write the icon of our life. We must always remember the gospel, the good news is not us imitating Jesus. It is Jesus inhabiting us. Thank God for his love and mercy. Thank you for listening to his words. To him is due honor, glory, and worship, now and forever and to the ages of ages. Amen. Thank you, Father, for that enlightening message. As always, a pleasure to hear from you. Coming up next, we have an interview with a member of our Archdiocese. But first, curated by His Eminence Metropolitan Basilios, a philocalic nourishment, a short reading from the Philokalia of the Holy Neptic Fathers. Take your weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of our Holy Fathers for internal nourishment and growth. If a man has some spiritual gift, and feels compassion for those who do not have it. He preserves the gift because of his compassion, but a boastful man will lose it through succumbing to the temptations of boastfulness. St. Mark the Ascetic Thy nativity, O Christ our God, has given rise to the light of knowledge in the world. For they who did worship the stars did learn from them to worship thee, O Son of Justice. And to know that thou didst come from the east of the highest glory to thee, O Lord. Welcome back to the Divine Lantern. We are joined today by Andrew from St. John the Baptist Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales. Welcome, Andrew. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Jemana. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So we have you here today to get to know you just a little bit better. So could you just start us off about telling about yourself a little bit? Well, um, I'm 32 years old and I was uh, baptised from infancy into the Antiochian Orthodox community. And um, I've recently been heavily involved in our church community as a whole in our local and archdiocese level. Awesome. And what sort of things do you do within our archdiocese and your local parish within the local parish i've been the youth president for a number of years approximately three to four years i think and within the archdiocese i'm the chair of a new south wales which is the antiochian christian orthodox youth fantastic and what sort of initiatives do um, the antiochian christian orthodox youth or a do within australia 
Oh, there, there are a number of initiatives uh, that range from um, your school-aged students, approximately 14, all the way through to we, – we call them youth, but it's virtually English-speaking um, adults up into the range of mid-30s um, and early marriage life and stuff. So there's a lot of initiatives, um, retreats. There's a series of talks, whether based on uh, Christ or the Theotokos. They're usually the two major themes. And then there's always um, special – Recently, especially during the COVID lockdowns, there's been a heavy online presence in terms of video content and social media content. Awesome. You mentioned earlier that you've only recently become involved within these initiatives. Um, what would you say brought you to the church? I uh, would probably have to be the pestering of my uncle and aunties. Um, and finally, I, I agreed to come along one day to a Bible studies and never look back, I should say. I, I could say, yeah. Awesome. And what sort of initiative would probably be your favourite in terms of a koi, in terms of your local parish, in either organising or attending? Um, in organisational aspects, I love organising uh, social and fundraising events. Um, so on a local level, uh, we uh, do a lot of um, Bunnings fundraisers for the local parish. Uh, it's a lot of hard work, but it's uh, very rewarding, especially in this uh, tough time where there are limited numbers in the parish. So it, it was very rewarding in that sense. And on a koi level, um, you have retreat, which is semi-educational, semi-social. It's a good way for people to get together. Um, and then you've also got the sort of the head social event, which is the koi ball that generally happens on an annual annual basis. A lot of hard work, but the end result, it's it's a lot of fun. Okay, so speaking about the annual Koi retreats that are held, what would you say would be your favourite aspect of those initiatives? My favourite aspect would probably be getting away from the hustle and bustle of city life and just retreating and having – I know a lot of the times we're busy but then we do get a lot of times where we have prayer services from morning through to night um, and we end like late with a comp line maybe at 10.30 at night. So – I love having that daily prayer cycle, which a lot of the times we don't get to practice in our daily lives as much as we should. Great. And what would you say your favourite prayer service would be? My favourite prayer service, it'd probably have to be a vigil when we do do them. Um, they are beautiful. I know a lot of people might think of them as a prolonged and rest, get restless in them, but if you really take note and you read, like, read through and follow through properly, it's amazing the connection you have from Vespers to Maddens to Liturgy and then just understanding that whole theme of, of the vigil and whoever it's been commemorated towards, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing the transition yeah. from going to evening prayers to the Divine Liturgy. Great. Do you have a favourite Bible passage from some of these services that you've attended or Bible studies that you mentioned before? There wouldn't be a particular passage. I'll be honest, I don't do as much reading as I should. Um, but I just recently I did a course within the Archdiocese um, at the Antioch Youth Centre where we are now. Uh, it was One of them was a liturgy and worship course. And um, attending liturgy every week, you might think you know a lot about the church. And I came in there thinking, yeah, maybe know most of it, but it's not going to hurt. And thought I'd learn about 10%, but... It was actually the other way around. I learned probably 90% of the behind the scenes in the liturgy and the connections 
from the Old Testament to the New, the Psalms in every prayer service we do, not just in the liturgy, in all prayer services throughout the church. It's, it's, it was an amazing course. Yeah, the depth of the yeah. divine liturgy is amazing. So I don't really have a particular passage, but yeah. as a whole, like I, I do need to do a lot more reading. But Let's go for your favourite section of the divine liturgy, I guess. My favourite section? Yeah. It'll probably have to be the uh, great entrance. It's a good one. Yeah. like that. Well done. <laughs> and what about the great entrance do you like? Well, generally it um, signifies the the start of the liturgy, or the end, ends the liturgy of the word and we start the liturgy of the Eucharist. And um, it's just where everything gets a lot more serious. Uh, you see the people become a lot more uh, reverent, quiet. So there's an awe that sort of comes upon you. Um, it's probably my favourite part, especially when, when you have the chanters going and it's amazing. It is. The Sherebic hymn, it, it sounds amazing. So moving from the liturgy of the word and into the liturgy of the Eucharist, we speak about how everyone becomes more reverent and I guess when we receive Eucharist as well, we're always reminded to to put on Christ as in we were in baptism. How would you say that you put this into practice within your daily life? I try to live my life the best way I can in what I think I'd do if Christ was with uh, with me today. Um, it's something that I learned a while ago, maybe a couple of years ago, at one of the retreats. It's that we should always be living our life and everything we do, all our actions should be as if Christ was with us. Christ was one of our friends. How would we act if Christ was right with us today? Um, obviously, I don't always live up to that standard, but I try to push myself um, outside of the church life in my normal everyday life. And, you know, sometimes you might forget, but then there's always a reminder. That's why it's always good to have prayer ropes around or on you, on your wrist and that just to remind you. So sometimes it becomes a little bit difficult to put on Christ, as you were saying. Would you find that it's in those challenging moments of your life that that does happen? I find in the challenging moments of my life, eventually I always turn back and I realise that's what was missing. That's why most likely I became challenged in that aspect. A lot of the times it's more in an instantaneous uh, moment um, and it might take a few minutes, sometimes a few hours, a few seconds to realise, oh, I shouldn't be acting like that, especially as a youth leader. But um, in the trouble, like in the hard times, um, it's always him who we know that will get us through that. Christ is the only one that can get us through that. A lot of the times in, in my own experience, I've tried myself to get through that. Um, I've tried to push through and thinking I can do it on my own. And I realized a bit stubborn. I'm a bit stubborn <laughs> sometimes, but I eventually realized that it's Christ is the one that we should lean on. So everyone has struggles in their daily lives through home, study and work. Unfortunately, sometimes home can be the biggest struggle for some. Um, what pulls you through these hard times? I think it's very true. And I think especially in this day and age, um, the current climate we're facing, not just in this country but in the world at the moment, I think everyone's got their struggles and especially at home. And it's the hardest struggle because it's the hidden struggle, something people try to hide. Um, but something I'd say that pulls me through this all the time because I can't do it on my own and I lose direction a lot of the time. But thank God 
I have my spiritual father to lean on. And a lot of the times he is the one that helps me put Christ back into the center of my life and aims, aims me in the right, points me in the right direction. What sort of advice does he give you in terms of trying to build yourself up and trying to turn back to Christ? What sort of practical things does he advise you to do? I think a lot of the times um, most people's problems aren't their own. Um, personally speaking from experience that is, but I think it's a general, general thing. A lot of the times people's problems aren't directly their own um, and that's the biggest issue. A lot of the times we're trying to fix or heal or we get involved in other people's problems um, and something that he helped me with and he, something I'll always remember is firstly you can't help anyone if you don't help yourself. So we've always got to step back and make sure we're grounded, especially spiritually. We need to be spiritually centered. Otherwise there's no point because if you're, you're sinking yourself, how are you going to bring someone back to shore? 100%. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you did mention that you did turn to Christ um, a little bit later in life and it's amazing to see how far you've come. Is there anything that you glory could... Glory to God. Glory to God. Is there anything that you would, I guess, give a piece of advice for our listeners, especially youth or someone that is trying to turn back to God? Uh, the best advice I could probably give is seek guidance. Um, you can't do it on your own. There is so much out there that... We just can't handle on our own. And that's why we have spiritual fathers. It's probably the most important thing for someone to have is that guidance, that spiritual guidance especially, more than anything. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us today on The Divine Lantern. Um, it, it's actually amazing what you have shared with us today and we hope that um, for our listeners they get something out of it. Thank you for having me, Jamana. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Farewell 2020. January 1st marks major celebrations for the church. The first. On the crown of the new calendar year, we remember Christ's circumcision in the flesh. Submitting yourself unto the law, he that far does transcend the law, delivers all men from the curse coming through the law, and instead grants them the blessing from heaven's heights. Also, on January 1st, we commemorate the feast of the patron saint of our Metropolitan Archbishop Basilios, that is, Saint Basil the Great, the Great Hierarch. You, with the shining light of your words, did stop the vainly gaping mouths of the heretics. Grace is poured upon your lips, O righteous Father Basil, and you did become a shepherd for the Church of Christ, teaching the sheep endowed with speech to believe in the consubstantial trinity of the one Godhead. On behalf of the clergy and faithful, we offer our prayers for our Archbishop and Chief Shepherd, Metropolitan Basilios. Your Eminence, may Saint Basil the Great intercede for you, our Chief Shepherd, and may this coming year be one of many blessings in the vineyard of Christ, and may our Lord grant you many years, Sayyidna. This concludes this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. A big thank you to all of you who listened. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast provider. For more information on our Archdiocese, follow us on our social platforms by searching Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese Australia. We'll catch you next week.